I'd like to start by thanking you for being here. As Sokazan often does, just let you know that we really appreciate all the support you show through your contributions and your participation. There's a great deal, and I mean a great deal, that goes into keeping this functioning, operating up and running, just being able to continue to make these teachings available, let alone the maintenance of the building. So anything you can offer is always greatly received and appreciated. And again, if uh, nothing else, your your greatest gift is your participation in these teachings and practices. And to think of something that I talk about that would be historical, maybe. So I'll, I will uh, attempt to do something there. Please ask questions. Usually, I do better in the area of responding to questions because I seems like I know more than I feel like I know. I don't really feel like I remember much. But I'll start out with uh, the, uh, how was it you suggested? Three turnings. Uh, the three turnings are the, of the teaching are, uh, um, you know what they are? <laughs> uh, the teaching, uh, the provisional teachings are on uh, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and so on. And then uh, we get into the Prajna Paramita literature and, and other teachings also that talk about uh, teachings on emptiness, that, that everything is empty of what you consider it to be or and so on. And that uh, the main sutra there is the heart sutra. Yes, sir. Is this uh, also open for mountains and rivers? Pardon me? Is it also open for mountains and rivers? Yeah. We, yeah. Questions? Yeah. Asking questions? Yes. So that's probably where it'll end up being. So the so first turning is provisional, just laying the groundwork for how to work with this. And that area is uh, I think I mentioned a little earlier was uh, if you read the Nikayas or early teachings, you'll see that there's a lot of emphasis on on training the mind and getting it to calm down and function a certain way. This is what the jhana states are referring to. And uh, I don't teach that. I'm not saying you couldn't find someone that could teach you that. Teach you that. And, and what would I say? Go, go ahead. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's what you need to do is go and work with that situation. Um, you know, sometimes they're called absorptions. So you and there there are different ways of laying that out. And I'm not recalling what those. If there's four of them. Does anybody know what those are? Probably do. You're just not speaking up. So uh, I think the, uh, the Majima Nikaya talks about uh, Satipatthana, that kind of meditation that where you're actually trying to establish a certain dynamic in consciousness that is stable. And before you go into uh, what's sometimes, sometimes uh, called uh, Vipassana or Maha Vipassana, great panoramic awareness. And that's all workable. And sometimes teachers start out with that. My teacher did, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, taught that way early on. Although the very first time I sat with him there, uh, he, there wasn't any instruction. You just sat still. They had a, struck a gong and you just sat there. There's no instruction, actually. Um, and then the Prajnaparamita literature is uh, like the Heart Sutra, the Diamond Sutra is addressing uh, that everything that shows up is is empty in its fundamental nature. That emptiness uh, is uh, that the form you see is empty of your considerations, your ideas about it, and then in the, even that emptiness that you see there is also empty. 
it kind of doubles back on itself. Pretty hard to get a foothold, let alone a reference point. Although there are some traditions that emphasize that second turning, not incorrect. And then there's a third turning that is uh, talked about in different ways. Uh, Yogacara tradition talks about that. And the idea there is that uh, rather, than, rather, rather than just the emptiness is empty, we leave it at that, which, as I said, some teachers and teachings and schools of thought of Buddhism actually emphasize that, that that's all you need to do. Madhyamaka is one of the approaches there. Um, and then Buddha nature, the way it looks here is that you, everything is empty of what you thought it was, but it's full of what it actually is. And you, you see that. I'm not saying that, uh, that someone who is, uh, who is working with second turning teaching isn't seeing Buddha nature. They may be. They may just may not call it that or talk about it in that way. It may be, uh, uh, as is sometimes said in the teachings, an open secret. So the Buddha nature, see, seeing that that everything is not separate from the the so-called one who awakened or who awoke not separate from that, is not a conclusion. It's it's more like just, it's always been there and you've just, you've just stopped covering it up, stop ignoring by seeing the way you ignore, seeing the way the three poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance continue to cover up. And that's generated by fear. It's generated, generated by hope for something better, hope for getting somewhere. I would say it this way: If you if you see the, the truth completely, you you will know it in the sense that you won't have doubts about it. But it's more about there not being anyone to have doubts rather than there being no doubts. Doubts may come and go, but you won't have doubts about the doubts, and nor will the doubts will the doubts be propelled by a doubter. And you might say, "I doubt that," <laughs> and I would probably chuckle. So we have some questions. Do we have a question? Yes. Go ahead. Probably following. Is there a difference? And what is the difference between delusion and the ego's paranoia? What's the difference between delusion and the ego's paranoia? Ego's paranoia. Same. Although the the ego um, may the paranoia there may not show up as uh what you would call or anyone would call paranoia it maybe just feel like that's just the truth someone who's paranoid actually thinks what they're afraid of is real and they need to get out of there because if they could see that it was an illusion that it wasn't real then they might still have the feeling but wouldn't necessarily run away kind of like waking up from a nightmare uh you're still kind of afraid but you also know that was a dream. That's a nightmare. That's not why that isn't real. More? Wonderbind, what is the difference um, between the three turnings uh, or the concept of dependent origination? Is there a difference between them? Dependent origination is just the way the illusion shows up so that we can get some kind of understanding of it. So we say that. 
th this causes that causes that. So it looks everything that you see as a as a separate identity or thing or object is dependent uh, uh, on everything else for its apparent singularity or th that it looks like it's a singular situation that's over there that is real. This this shows up not only in our physical environment but in our mind stream too. The dependent origination is showing up there also as a way of talking about relative truth and karma and so on. Undermine, there is no development of that idea that was in the first turnings, but then it's also in the second and the third. Is there any? I, I think it's it, it's it's everywhere. I don't know if it's, uh, if it's something that's talked about much, particularly, I mean, unless it's necessary to, to discuss it. And I, I don't know if you went and looked in the Abhidharma material, you might find structures there that would address the historical um, aspect, which I'm not, don't recall right now, not that I haven't known it in the past, but I don't know. Well, the same thing with awareness. Is there a difference in between the three turnings and the idea of awareness or the, what, what awareness is? If I were to make up something about it, I could say that the uh, the first turning, you're still seeing, uh, uh, you're still seeing that there's somebody that is having problems, and you're trying to see through that, trying to see there's no solid ego. The the five skandhas are empty of a self, and uh, emptiness teaching. So you're seeing that that uh, everything is empty of what you think it is. There's no one who even thinks that, and there is no nothing that's even empty. And that very very the very statement of empty. Emptiness is also a form. So even that is empty. So then getting to the to the uh, the uh, the third journey teaching of Buddha nature, it's uh, you, you don't really see anything. The otherness is gone. The, the self was gone back in the Hinayana. They started to see through that there's no solid self. And then you begin to see there's no other, empty of other, even though you have to save all beings, you do that so that you can see that there are no, there, there are no separate beings. And then the understanding of uh, Buddha nature, a third training teaching is that nothing's happened at all. There isn't anything. It's completely gone. It's not even, even the word emptiness doesn't serve because it's, it's, there's still something that was there and now it's gone or something that is there, but it's an illusion because it's empty of what we presume it to be. It's worse than that. It's better than that. It's worse than that because it's, the ego gets no oxygen there at all. It cannot survive. That illusion cannot persist without some kind of polarity that it can enlist. And so, so you could even say you don't even see Buddha nature. Because you are, you're not separate from Buddha nature. You're not separate from the Buddha. This has been pointed out in various traditions, especially in the Zen and Chan traditions and Tibetan traditions too, a long time. You are the Buddha. It's like the, the saying in Zen, you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. It doesn't mean kill somebody. It just means that, that that's, it's trying to help you see that you can't see the Buddha somewhere else. You're the Buddha. So if you see something you think is the Buddha, then that's a misunderstanding. I mean, you could take that all different. Well, what if I see my teacher? Isn't that the Buddha? Oh, maybe. Well, divine. So then, oh, is awareness different? Uh, is there a 
different understanding or different or what between the three turnings? Well, there's a there's a you're moving along, and there's less uh, clinging, less uh, influence of passion, aggression, and ignorance to create some kind of chaos. But there's still you're still in the world. You're still a physical form. The world is full of craziness and violence. Passion, aggression, ignorance is everywhere. Most of the world, billions of people are fighting with themselves and with others. So if with each of the turnings, you say you can awaken in any of those traditions. Yes. Uh, is there a difference to that, to enlightenment? Um, so uh, I'm biased. There, though, my understanding is, uh, if if anything has occurred or if anything has changed, then uh, this is not awakening. It's it's some kind of an improvement. Uh, I used to be this way, but now this way. You can't get away from this. But it is there isn't there isn't anything else but this. And if you think there is, then you're what dividing and separating, picking and choosing, going after this, stopping that, thinking that some people don't get it. And you get it. Difficult. Oh, divine. So just to go into that more the, with the first turning teachings. Working on yourself. That is still considered awakened. Well, there is an awakening there that there's no self. There's no solid being in the skandhas. So you see, you're, you're beginning to see through that, but there's still attachment. Um, and it's taught classically that until the first Bhumi or Pramodita, uh, where you start to see that that, that there's no uh, uh, there's uh, no you, you're still attached uh, to seeing that some, there's somebody else, there's other. Thank you. I didn't even answer your question. Maybe she, she'll repeat it. Yes. I think I heard you say this once. So I guess my first question is, is seem plausible that you would say such a thing. I think I, <laughs> what? <laughs> I think wait, I wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, it seems implausible that I would say such a thing as what? Oh, I'm going to ask you if, oh. if my, memory might be correct that you said that if you have a it's my paraphrase complete understanding of the first noble truth a complete understanding of suffering that you'll that you can see all of the buddha's truth or all of the way of talking about it. yes okay um yeah how how in what way in what way could, well, could the truth of suffering no, no, no. get us all the way through the three turnings. See, see it. See, aren't you trying to get rid of your suffering? Probably. Anyone here not trying to get rid of their suffering or do something with it or correct it or fix it? Anybody? Any volunteers? You should ask me if I'm doing that. Are you doing that? Of course. I couldn't teach if I weren't doing that. Nothing occurs. Realize it. This is this is this is the rainbow body, not somebody having gas. This is this is it, and you're looking at it. Oh, not just this old man, but you're looking at it everywhere you go. When you go over to uh, 
Uh, mountain Lake, where you live. Don't you live in the middle of a lake somewhere? Mm-hmm. On a mountaintop? Mm-hmm. Why did they, how did they get a lake on top of a mountain? Come on. Tell them. After it. <laughs> <In the helicopter. laughs> Your teacher put it there. No. In a helicopter? Huh? <laughs> it actually takes two helicopters. Because one is to hold the edge, the perimeter of the lake, and the other is to keep the bottom from kicking. Right. So, yeah. No. Makes sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense at all. But since you think it does, it will go with what you think. You have further questions? <laughs> Was it Kupon? You might have answered it, but I've lost it. So I'll ask it again. How would completely understanding suffering um, include all three turning? There's no, there's no, there isn't anything else. You see it, what you see, you fundamentally see what it is. Fundamentally, I don't know another word other than that. Everything just comes apart, collapses. There's no suffer. There's no suffering. This doesn't mean that you're going to look, aren't going to look at a someone over here who's being hurt or tortured or, or whatever by someone else, and 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 just sit back and say, hmm, that's a, that's unreal. That's an illusion. No, it's a it's an intense, powerful illusion. Is there anyone on Zoom that would like to ask a question? Jishin, better be good, Jishin. I'm bowing. I already asked one bad, so maybe it's enough. Uh, what is the difference between, between the jhana state, self-absorption, and that third turning when, uh, when nothing is seen? Bowing. Uh, jhana states are uh, an absorption so so it's not that there isn't some value there it probably is but it's about working with the mind in such a way that you uh you close it off from everything else you don't have particularly have thoughts it's kind of a way of uh trying to create an enlightened being and it's not that there something couldn't be understood or served by that might have to go through some of that Isn't that that in that state of self-absorption, nothing is there's nothing is seen, and it seems the description is similar to to the third turning, as you said, that nothing is seen. Yes, and yes, it's just that this is actually uh, this is occurring to as an experience that an individual, a person, a consciousness, a being who is practicing this is having. Whereas a fundamental understanding, there is no one experiences it. There is no experience to it. You have no proof. You have no, there's no, there's no way to even uh, talk about it or discuss it or evaluate it or prove it. It's, it's beyond that. It's uh, the fancy word there is transcendent. So how how uh, people who are awakened um, through that third turning can can even talk about this? Bound. Well, they they just continue to talk out of what they're looking at or what they're seeing, and they are probably going to uh, meet people who need that kind of help or, or relate to them as a teacher. And they're, so they're they're also teaching. 
uh, I'm not going to say, well, they're not doing as good as some people. They're not doing what Zen does or what Chan does or what the uh, the Vajrayana. The Vajrayana is big on saying that, you know, you can, um, you, this is the only way you can do this. So, and, and to some extent, uh, there seems to be some truth to that, but not just the Vajrayana, but an ultimate understanding that does not exclude anything. Passion, aggression, ignorance. Uh, sometimes in the Vajrayana, it's talk, talked about as transmutation, taking the negative energy, and, and it's just energy. And uh, it, it's uh, you could say it's like depersonalizing it. So there's no person there, there's just energy. Sort of Manjushri cuts both ways through self and other. It just all all of the duality vanishes yet there's still form and there's still energy and there's still this incredible presence that we call uh the present moment authentic presence thank you thank you further questions you home bowing you said bring everything to the cushion and sometimes sitting appears as one of my outlets for my own stress and distress. Um, is is this appropriate part of the path? Yes. Fine. Yes. There may be times when you go another direction where you just need to go, go to the library or go for a walk or go do something else. But there's, if you're having difficulty, uh, I don't think going sitting down, holding still facing a wall and just watching the the energy coming and going in your mind stream is also valuable and uh, appropriate, authentic thing to do be doing. That doesn't mean you will necessarily set up a standard where you always do that. You always look at the situation and it might be better to, um, like I said, go for a walk or do something else. You home bowing. Yes. When you say standards, it really uh, depends on uh, us, myself, to to define my own standards and uh, you know what, how disciplined or how much that I need to sit and how long. How yes. can I be more aware of? I think in general I'm a disciplined person, but I also I'm aware of what you have been teaching. Yet yeah, this is how I see myself. But oh. I want to I want to ask to what extent that I I need to tell myself I need to do something else instead of facing the difficulty sitting sitting on my cushion. No. I think you've already said it. You're already at a little bit of a dilemma there. And I would go both directions. Sometimes you might sit. Other times you might uh, write a letter to someone. Uh, that, that's a way of turning... Um, turning around your going back into it, trying to solve something and actually just be considerate of someone else. You might call somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, see how they're doing, see how things are going for them. So turn yourself towards others a little bit. Could be helpful rather than, what I'm sensing, what it seems like you're saying is you, you feel like you're going in and working with your mind and it seems kind of self-centered to you. Does that, is that showing up that way? I think I was not that clear. I feel like in my mind, still there is a discipline part that, you know, this is a part I need to really look at that instead of distract myself, even though I feel 
may be miserable, not that much on my cushion. Somehow I still have that type of mentality inside of me. So I'm struggling dilemmas, like how I can be genuinely passionate, take care of myself on the cushion. So I, I can't come up with a, a particular do this, don't do that. I'm just saying, uh, don't set up a standard for yourself. You use your, you already have a lot of awareness about around whatever's uh, coming and going, the way you're describing the situation. I would just keep going. Uh, uh, there's no, there's nothing to solve. There's nothing, there's nothing to correct, but there is something to see. And the basic misunderstanding here, as you've heard me say many times, is mistaken identity, thinking that we're a solid, separate being who can win or lose or get ahead or be depressed or be confused, any, any of those things, any of those descriptions that support uh, a, a separate self in this contest, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. Those, that's the breakdown, and, and those will still be there. Form will still be there. Consciousness will still be there. It just won't hook up with all of the other ones to form some the illusion of somebody who can win, somebody who can lose. So the feeling of winning and losing could start to show up at the same time. Thank you, Bali. Welcome. Anyone in here? No? That's no? Yes. Andre Bali. Yes. Some time ago, Yuhan, Yuhan and I believe Jasin, they had a question. Yuhan and Jasin. Jasin, yes. Okay. They had a question and it pointed at the Bodhisattva vow and moral fortitude. My question had a little preamble, which mm -hmm. is other religions or faiths have a, a repentance type base of a moral yes. fortitude where it's focused on you go to the teacher or the abbot or the father or yes what's the question i got you That's okay. okay my question is in this faith particularly this teaching what is the moral fortitude or the spiritual repentance that's connected to the mundane okay so there is something like that in the vows which i don't know if you've looked at those or not but there is a it's just acknowledging that you screwed up here and there but no more about it but just just the acknowledgement that you've that you've stepped uh, in this direction, stepped on somebody's toes, uh, and done things that were maybe uh, not the most helpful to other people. And just the acknowledgement of it, but not laboring and trying to get some kind of forgiveness in there. Yeah, that's more. Yes, definitely more. With that being said, and to go further with the teaching, this particular teaching where no corrections or no wrong, nobody wrong or fault or blame. Yes. Well, in a moral fortitude or in a repentance, like what would stop somebody in, in harming somebody else or doing something to somebody else if they don't have them type of, that type of fortitude or spiritual compass? Mm -hmm. in, other words, a, in other words, a, a law or a rule to abide by? Or a form. Well, the form, if you read the 16 precepts, uh, it's full of that. Do, do uh, the three pure precepts is good do good don't do harm and that doesn't we don't really need to explain that to anybody you kind of know when you're when you're doing something that is uh, destructive or harmful to others and you also know it's a relative thing but we have to start somewhere and then be with all things that's the third pure pre precept is it whatever shows up don't agree that's not being with all things don't disagree that's not being with all things and don't ignore it that's not being with all things. What is being with all things? Just receive it. Just look at it. 
and look at it. And if you start to add your own interpretations, ideas, and judgments on what's happening, then just receive that too. Don't correct it. Uh, go ahead. Yes, Mark. With that being also said, looking at other faiths and, and religions, even though it's relatively speaking what they're doing in a way, but it's still a fortitude, a moral fortitude that they bring to others, bring to an app, bring to even hurting itself with self mutilation at some point because they feel there's a need for correction because if they're harming somebody else, they are to blame, which was the topic we kind of had today. Who was to blame? And what we're going to do about blame? Do I just go around here, excuse my language, shit on people because I want to then be like, hey, no corrections needed. So at that point, when we're intentionally harming others and know what is our fulfillment compass? What is what do we do other than just receive? I mean, do we do more or should we do more? Well, you're going to produce, if you haven't noticed, we're constantly thinking all kinds of crap and all kinds of good things and all kinds of neutral things. But we're going to produce. So the idea there is to train the mind so that you can be a witness or an observer of what's coming towards you and what you're outflowing and what you're shoving back in the face of others or presenting to them or being generous to them, no matter what it is. It's about being aware of that. It looks like two different things. Maybe not. Let's look closely at it. This is what is being encouraged rather than live up to some kind of a guideline. We do have vows that we observe the vows. We don't obey them. So be with all things. And the, the first vow is uh, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't kill. With that, you can't help but kill. If you're going to stay alive, you're going to kill something. And then people will come along and, and try to make that into, well, I don't kill anything if it has a mother. I don't kill anything that has, uh, there's all kinds of ways to make that look okay. Killing is killing. If it's a living being, I don't care if it's a tree or a chipmunk. That's still taking some uh, life, and it's about being aware of that so that you understand what that dynamic is. You may have to kill something in order to continue to live. So it's about observing those vows. Don't, don't, don't say things that aren't true. And that it's about being aware of that. And that's very subtle. It's very hard to be a living being without lying. I, I remember uh, saying somebody to saying something to someone a long time ago that that they uh you can't help but lie. And they really got upset with me. I don't ever lie. This person was only about 25 years old. So um, might have had a little bit of difficulty having an old man talk to them that way. But you can't help but lie. If you have questions about that, I'm here. You can't help. You can't help it. You can't. But the, it's the intention to be sincere, be genuine, be honest. That is a powerful one. And the other thing I would say on top of all of that, Andre, I don't think this can be done by thinking about it. I have to do a lot of sitting meditation, a lot of it. I hesitate to say how much because it's pretty staggering. Uh, before I sat up on a seat like this and began to act function as a teacher, I spent over 30 years doing what you're doing when you're doing the book study and coming in here and sitting and then long time before I began to teach in this way. I taught people how to meditate, but beyond that, not much. Takes a long time. And your your questions are valid. And as far as commenting on other religious uh, uh, 
organizations or ways that people, this shows up down through the centuries that people are just doing the best they can to help others. And sometimes it, if we get a few people in there that what the original teacher was saying, uh, sometimes that gets skewed. So it's not exactly what they were saying. It gets, and that's why we have so much disagreement in between religions and so on. Yes. On divine, um, building on what uh, Andre was just saying, what does Buddhism address in terms of confession or punishment? Like other religions are so focused on. Well, I'm not saying some of that doesn't happen or hasn't happened in Buddhism. It's a, it's been around 2,500 years, so there's all kinds of things that could show up that way, but. Punishment is uh, is just a misunderstanding. If you're actually punishing something, someone for something they did wrong, it's just a misunderstanding. But thinking that someone is somehow responsible in the cause and effect way, in the blame way, uh, you can't really blame someone. Uh, just like uh, I, I often say, go look in the mirror. You didn't do that. You didn't create this. I'm not saying that some dynamic in consciousness isn't creating the way you look and the tone of voice and your everything about your your sexual orientation. I'm not saying that that isn't dependent there isn't being caused by various by causation but there's no fundamental blame or credit more what about what about confession what is um... we we have that we uh, uh i can't remember can you can you remember the vow did you ever say that vow besides um i vow to be with all things no, I the vow one... to refrain from all action that creates attachment. Great. I vow to live in enlightenment. I vow to save all beings. Yeah. How about the one where you're? What? I can't think of what it is when we when we do uh, the the chukai. Did anyone? Do you remember that one? Formless repentance. Yes. I don't remember the contents. What? <laughs> You've forgotten something? <laughs> oh no! Formless repentance. Can anyone remember that? How that is? That's the very word formless means something there. I just remember the start. What is it? Every action created by me. From beginning is time. From beginning is time. I fully avow. Is that it? Yeah. And I only remember it when you start saying it. So that just means I'm acknowledging it. It's not, I fully avow. I, I, every action since beginning of time, and this, this takes us beyond this lifetime. So you're actually acknowledging something you have no memory of, but you're setting up a, 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 a something in consciousness where this can actually be included in all the things you don't even remember. Just like you don't remember what happened on um, May 23rd. Can anybody tell me what happened on May 23rd of uh, 2021? You're not going to remember unless it's your birthday. And even then you won't remember the whole birthday party. Or you might remember that nobody gave you a birthday party or a present. Remember a lot of things that, but you won't remember what you had for breakfast. So this the whole memory thing is uh, quite vague, but we use memory all the time to keep advancing our case about we've been abused, we've been mistreated, we, me, 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 me. How are we responsible yet not to blame? 
So the way I talk about that is a is a responsible. Then you you are there isn't anything is uh, is separated uh, from you. But fundamentally, the fundamental understanding is you you are this consciousness. All the people. This is why. And then when this starts to show up, you feel more and more like you want to take care of people and help them, but you don't want to interfere with whatever karma they have to. They whatever they have to work with in their life. So you don't want to get in the way of that, but if there's an opening where you could possibly help them, then you'll have some communication where where you would see that that there's maybe some responsibility to help that person fundamentally in some way. But there's no there's no standard that you're living up to because that blocks out the differentiation and desire that's happening everywhere through each person in their own way. So you don't need a credential that you're helping people. You just you just need to receive everything and you'll see what you need to do next. You're not separate from dependent origination. You're not a separate being. That's an illusion. So as a community, as a monastery, we're organized yes. with those that bow and those precepts. Yes. And society at large be organized that way? So it's a big one. Look at the difficulty we have here and everyone's intention is to be uh, help others and meet others where they're at. Hopefully some of that's happening. We're, we're endeavoring to meet our own uh, difficulty where we're at and try to extend that to others through the vow to be with all things, save all beings. So it's a, quite an aspiration. Very hard to do when the wall, the walls of the mind uh, are supported by your own uh, karma, your own causes and conditions that cause us to just be worried about this or fretting about that or judging this or judging this person. So that's all to be observed, observed, not fixed, not repaired. It goes way beyond the, the simple causation of, of fixing this or stopping that or controlling things. Be aware. Andre Bowen. Yes, sir. Building off of what Pando was just speaking on on conversation. If this confession and repentance, if this the the reason you often say we need a teacher, should have a teacher. Well, that's that's how it looks to me. I certainly wouldn't even be sitting here presuming to teach anything if I hadn't had teachers. So, otherwise, we we just keep trying to fix ourselves, or, or negativity arises in the mind stream, and we we want to stop it. So we might use anything from medications to. Uh, different kinds of drugs or, or activity. Some people are extremely active. My mother was somebody that she just was busy all the time. She wasn't at work. Uh, and she was, or she was, uh, might've been partying or something at the bowling alley. But uh, she, was, she was busy cleaning house, cleaning house, putting things away, organizing things. And that, that helped her avoid what I think she would have tumbled into some kind of depression probably. It didn't, didn't keep really, really busy. So the trust, Father Bob. So if there's an oath or a bond between a teacher 
Yeah, Stugan. And it's said oath then, I would say, between taking the oath would be the what is the vow, right? The vow, yes. Uh, yeah, the vow vow that's a simple, simple way of uh, that we receive that vow is the vow to be with all things, whatever happens, don't agree, don't object, don't ignore. Yeah. And and also personalize it would be uh, save all beings, put others before yourself. We want a real pragmatic way of doing it. Everyone that shows up in front of you, put them before yourself. That doesn't mean you're going to kiss their butt or do what they want. Or it's more the other way around. You're not about to do anything that uh, that adds to the confusion or justifies it or do do you won't do anything with it at all. It will not be comfortable to that to that part of consciousness that is still a fist that is wrapped up and is paranoid about this and that and is tightened up. This has to open, and the only way it can open is to see that it's closed. You can't just open up your idea of the ego, you have to actually look at it, and it does not smell good, feel good, taste good, think good, feel good. It doesn't sound good. It's it's just that we have to bring our awareness to that, and the way that I know of is to uh, face the wall, not go into the jhana states, or not try to create an artificial person who's sealed off from everything and has a sense of silence and tranquility and, and uh, stillness. Yes. Seem to be like a almost like a contractual thing between the teacher and the student because the oath itself. If somebody violate that oath, would it bond also be would it also make a bond wedge or deal breaker deal breaker between the teacher and the student? That is used in, in the tantric tradition. There's a powerful uh bond there called Damchig or what where you and your teacher and your yidam or your meditation deity are all tied together, so not separate. It's just another way of a te of, uh, of um, talking about uh, uh, not separate. So you're actually, you have that kind of a vow. I received that vow from my teacher. One more question, thank you. Yeah, so you just mentioned karma. We have to kind of allow that to happen. Like observers, but yeah. they have to extend to a certain extent. How far do we have to observe before we can, hey, that's a hot line there where electricity is flowing and you shouldn't walk into that problem. So you're, you're basically saying it just it's situational. There are times when you, it's obvious, but if it's, if it's not obvious to you, then you shouldn't do anything at all. Just the way I would talk about it. Don't, don't do anything unless you have to. This will show up more uh, as the vow of patience, because you're not going to not going to do anything unless you have to do it. Excuse me, boundary violence. So it sounds like awareness is once you become aware of that danger or aware of the coming, even though you have to observe it, at some point you may have to save the being too. So you may, which 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 is we going to do? Save the person, allow the karma to destroy the person. Hmm. Don't do anything unless you're after. And you won't understand what I just said, as simple as it sounds, unless you have a lot of time on the cushion seeing that there's no solid being there who can make that decision. Because if there's a solid being there, then you will operate out of 
right and wrong, or I can't let that go on, or I have to stop this, or I have to you'll operate out of paranoia, hope and fear. The only way you can operate out of reality is when the consciousness is liberated from attachment to a body or to a mind. And if and you won't you won't be aware that that has happened if you if you liberate yourself there will be no consciousness left to claim anything to claim anything you won't be able to claim claim that you even are alive. There's a body still going. There's a brain. There's a mind. There's a conjecture. There's a maybe worry about this or about that. But liberation goes beyond that consciousness only. This is a teaching that goes back a long time. Question, please. Go ahead. So in between that certain level of awakeness, just living in, in this illusion as a regular person, what, what are I supposed to do? What we are supposed to do? Don't do anything. We're not there yet, like you just explained, to the point where we can just allow things to happen and things to do. In this relative world, relatively speaking, I'm not supposed to say, watch out for that truck. Do a lot of sitting. I follow your question. It's a valid question, but do a lot of sitting so that you can uh, see different ways of uh, asking that question that might get closer to what it is that you personally are covering up. And I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying that sit a lot. Well, I understand. I'm uh, Good. about to cover up. That's... Exactly. I think about the teaching here. You want to face that everybody, even our song on Zoom. We we know that we talk about it all the time. That's study. Right. So thank you. Yes, sir. Mozuku. Mozuku Valley. Somewhere in this, it came up. I think you said something. You were talking about religions and how a teaching can get just distorted. Yes. Not the number used. It seems like it's easy for the ego to draw on a teaching to support our positionality. Mm -hmm. As a community, how how can we return to the spirit of the or the intention behind the teaching when that shows up? So include what's happening rather than try to push it away so you can do something else. Just include it. It's just part of it. It's just the whole scenario. Include, include, include. That doesn't mean reach out and grab it and grab it, dra drag it into your mind stream. But if it's there, just include it. It's just part of it. It's just part of the wallpaper, part of the woodwork. It's just part of the, it's just an aspect of it. Include more or more specific a question about that if you have it. Seems like any teaching that I might be able to draw on to support my position, I could also find a teaching that something that you've said that would be the opposite of that. Seems sure. like there's an intention that's beyond just the words, just quoting you. Is, is there a teaching that's beyond the words? Yes. Once you're gone, or that you're gone now. Gone. I'm gone now. Gone. When your body's no longer here, then, I'll, is it then I'll really be here. <laughs> you'll see. You'll smell. You'll taste. You'll touch. You'll feel. You'll think. More? Is there anything we can do as a community to 
support the intention. Yes, C, C, C. And that's not Spanish. Communicate, communicate, which means listen. Cooperate, which means look at the movement around you with others. See if, if there's a way that you can enter that dance or just hold your seat and then collaborate. See the issues that are happening with others that are difficult and see if there's some way that you can support that. This is what this whole forum, it's not about worshiping some golden idol. It's about community. community. CCC, that's the, the, the fourth one is the community part that that's supposed to show up on its own. Sangha, spiritual community. Yeah. Okay. So should we close? Or? I'd like to start by thanking you for being here. As Sokazan often does, just let you know that we really appreciate all the support you show through your contributions and your participation. There's a great deal, and I mean a great deal, that goes into keeping this functioning, operating up and running, just being able to continue to make these teachings available, let alone the maintenance of the building. So anything you can offer is always greatly received and appreciated. And again, if uh, nothing else, your, your greatest gift is your participation in these teachings and practices.